All right. Howdy, y'all. Welcome to episode number 19 of Once Upon a Time in Texas. I'm your host, producer, and editor, and researcher, whatever, toilet cleaner. Uh, I am Michael Mitchell. Uh, I am the guy that does Once Upon a Time in Texas. And for those of y'all that follow my podcast, again, thank you. Appreciate you listening to me. Um, had a friend tell me recently that I've got a face for radio and a voice for newspaper. And then he laughed and he said, oh, hell, you're all right to listen to, I reckon. Um, which, I guess, made me feel okay. <laughs> but whatever. Um, anyway, thanks for sitting on the back porch of your mind with me. Um, listening to me tell a little story about some of the stuff uh, that I find. I have a lot of fun doing this. I learn a lot along the way, too. So this week... I want to take a look at a famous serial killer. That's right, Jack the Ripper. Now hold on. I'm sure there are a lot of you guys that are like, Mike, we listen to you to hear about Texas. Jack the Ripper was in London, England, which is in fact just a little north and just a little east of Texas a spell. And, you know, you're right. I would totally agree, but... Did y'all know there's a possible Texas connection to Jack the Ripper? (laughs) Now I have your attention, huh? Well, hang on to your hats and let's see where this little piece of history takes us. This one's fun. But before I get into it a little bit too much, I I do want to say hi from uh, Camp Simpson up in Oklahoma. I'm currently camping with my daughter's uh, scout troop. So Scouts BSA Troop 2 here in Wichita Falls. Um, we're, well, when this posts, I guess, I'm going to be off at summer camp for a couple of weeks. So the first week, my daughter's troop is going up to Camp Simpson right outside old Tishomingo, Oklahoma. And then, uh, I'm staying on for a second week with my son because his Boy Scout troop is coming up the second week. So yay me. I get to spend two weeks up at summer camp and you know what, to be honest, I just, uh, I was program director there. I've, I've spent like 12 weeks total up there in a tent helping those guys out. And I love it. Uh, if any of y'all are from around here and you're involved in scouts, man, I'm telling you, go check out Camp Simpson. It's based out of the Arbuckle Mountain. Uh, I'm sorry, the Arbuckle Area Council out of Ardmore. <clears throat> but the camp is up, uh, up just right outside of Tishomingo and it's gorgeous. So, of course, I want to mention our sponsors, uh, which is me. Um, so I should say sponsor, not sponsors. So it's me. I work uh, for a company called American Mortgage Company. I am an independent mortgage loan originator. And so uh, I know lots of people that are moving to and in Texas, and I know a lot of you guys do too. So let me help them out. Like I said, I'm an independent mortgage loan originator. So, uh, yes, I do work for a mortgage company, but we are a wholesale mortgage company, which means we get to shop and find the best rates for you. That's kind of how it works. Uh, I liken it sometimes to uh, independent insurance people. So you can go into one of these independent firms and they can shop a whole bunch of different places and find the best, you know, whatever, car, life, house insurance, you know, whatever you need. We do the same thing, but with mortgages. So we really get you the best deal. So, of course, we help people finance their dream homes right here in Texas. I can do loans anywhere in the state of Texas. And, of course, I'm well aware that getting a mortgage is not always fun or something that you really want to do. But, you know, most folks don't have a ton of money just laying around. So, 
Since you can't pay cash, why not work with somebody who's at least a little entertaining and works hard to make that process a little painless? Like, you know, me, yours truly. So yeah, think of me. If you know someone moving to or in Texas, send them over my way. Send them over to themichaelmitchell.com because I am the Michael Mitchell. Let me help them out. Remember, when you work with me, I sell dreams, not mortgages. So that's the point where everybody goes, oh, that sounds so nice. <laughs> I just love that saying, sell dreams, not mortgages. And it's true. It's true. I know it's cheesy, but whatever. Unless somebody gives me a different line to throw out there, that's what I'm sticking with. <clears throat> All right, well, let's get into this nitty gritty here. So for decades, the identity of Jack the Ripper has remained a total and complete mystery. Still is today. Seriously, today I checked. He was a serial killer. He was active in and around the impoverished Whitechapel district of London, England. And in the autumn of, uh, really he was active in the autumn of 1888. Um, you know, really in a lot of the journalistic accounts and, and even the police reports and files, the killer was actually officially called the Whitechapel murderer and leather apron. I've never heard the leather apron before, but that's what I found. So attacks ascribed to Jack the Ripper typically involved women working as prostitutes who lived and worked in the slums of the East End of London. Their throats were cut prior to any abdominal mutilations. <clears throat> the removal of internal organs from at least three of the victims led to a speculation that their killer had some anatomical or surgical knowledge, so that's interesting, and rumors that the murders were connected intensified in September and October 1888. And numerous letters were received by media outlets and Scotland Yard from individuals uh, purporting to be the murderer, because I guess there were a lot of people that wanted to claim it. So the Jack the Ripper name, this I thought was kind of interesting because I didn't know, originated in what they call the Dear Boss Letter, written by an individual claiming to be the actual murderer, um, which was disseminated in the press. So I think the reason that Jack the Ripper <clears throat> got kind of so big was because of the press. Kind of like nowadays, if you have a kidnapper or somebody, I mean, the press, you know, kind of just gets with it. So the letter is widely believed to have been a hoax and may have been written by journalists to heighten the interest in the story because, you know, if it smells, it sells. And they wanted to increase their newspaper circulation. Go figure. So then there's another one called the From Hell Letter, um, which was received by George Lusk of the Whitechapel Vigilance Committee, um, came with half of a preserved human kidney, uh, supposedly taken from one of the victims. Uh, the public became, uh, well, came increasingly, more or less, to believe in the existence of a single serial killer known as Jack the Ripper, mainly because of both the very brutal nature of the murders and the media coverage. And so the media was putting it out there that they thought it was one guy, so everybody believed it. It, it could still, to this day, be several people. But as of right now, you know the media coverage and everything. I mean, everybody still believes that it's uh, a single, you know, a single person. 
And, you know, I've never been to London, England, but I know who Jack the Ripper is. And so if, if you don't think media controls a lot of this stuff, I mean, Jack the Ripper is, is absolutely proof of that. So there's extensive newspaper coverage on this guy or gal, maybe, I guess. And, uh, and really it's got enduring international, you know, notoriety. So, I mean, he's like a solidified legend, you know, which is kind of disgusting if you think about it. So they had a police investigation into a series of 11 um, brutal murders committed in Whitechapel and in a Spitalfield between 1888 and 1891. So this went on for about three years. They weren't always able to connect all of the killings conclusively to, you know, the murders of 1888. So there were five victims, Marianne Nichols, Annie Chapman, Elizabeth Stride, uh, Catherine Eddowes, and Mary Jane Kelly. And they are known as the Canonical Five, and their murders between August 31st and November 9th, I'm sorry, 1888, are often considered the most likely to be linked together, but not always. So the murders were never solved, and the legends surrounding these crimes... Um, became kind of a combination of historical research, uh, folklore, pseudo-history, and then really capturing the you know public imagination of, of the day and all the way to present day. Like, Jack the Ripper is still, like, he's there. Everybody knows who he is. So... You know, now I'm sure you guys are wondering, all right, Mike, we've heard about Jack the Ripper. How in the name of John Wayne's rear end does this have to do with Texas? Well, I am here to tell you how it's possibly connected to Texas. And I did not know this. And I will give props again that I first got this idea out of the great book of Texas written by Bill O'Neill. He writes just a little like one pager in there about this. And I'm like, what? I'm going to have to go check this out. So in the late 1800s, there was a serial killer in Austin, Texas, who came to be known as the Servant Girl Annihilator. Man, the Servant Girl Annihilator. So now, if this is late 1800s, remember, Jack the Ripper, 1888 to 1891, this killer was responsible for eight axe murders in Austin, Texas, between the years of 1884 and 1885. Hmm. So this was just uh, three, four years before, you know, Whitechapel and Jack the Ripper in London. So the first few people who were murdered were servants, um, but the later victims weren't. And uh, although they were referred to as servant girl murders, one of the girl's male partners was actually a victim as well. So the murders only stopped after private investigators were brought in to solve the case. So it was believed that the killer only stopped the murders out of fear of getting caught, which, you know, makes sense. Although there were a number of people questioned, none of them were actually tried for the murders. So then a short three years later, the Jack the Ripper murders begin to happen in Whitechapel District of London. All right, all right, all right. I understand. I haven't pieced it together yet. I haven't put the noodle out there. So y'all ready? Here's the noodle. 
There's a theory out there that involves a Malaysian cook named Maurice. (laughs) I'm not making this stuff up, guys. A Malaysian cook named Maurice. The restaurant that Maurice worked at um, was in the same neighborhood where most of the victims of the servant girl murders had lived. So Maurice had easy access to these people. Then... Maurice told people he was tired of Texas. Yeah, I know. Remember, it's just a theory. So he told people that he was tired of Texas and he was moving in January 1886 to London, England. Hmm. That's interesting. So, and then just weeks after, you know, he says that he's moving they realized that the murder stopped. So some people theorize that he left Austin to prevent being caught for the servant girl murders and he set out to continue kills in a new place. So he goes on to become Jack the Ripper? I don't know. Sounds kind of plausible, but wait! There is another theory. Because this is Once Upon a Time in Texas, so why not? So there's another popular theory that says Jack the Ripper may actually have just been visiting Austin at the time of the Servant Girl murders. Now remember, when we visit, we go somewhere for a week. People of means back in the day used to go visit for months. Uh, I remember seeing uh, letters from some Swedish ancestors of mine, um, because they were kind of spread out all over the country. One of them worked in like a, a, not a foundry, shoot, what am I thinking of? where they they cut up cattle, you know, butcher place and all that, a feed yard and stuff like that. He had worked there for a couple of years saving up money, and then he just tells the the boss, adios, I'm going to go visit family. And and he does, and he's gone for like, I don't know, year and a half. And then he came back, and he got his job back. (laughs) Like, he just traveled around until his money ran out. So anyway, so it's not unheard of for people of means to come visit. So in her book... Jack the Ripper, The American Connection, the author, Sherry Harrison, talks about this theory a little bit. And I kind of like this theory, too. She says that a a Liverpool-born guy named James Maybrick was, was believed or is believed by a lot of people to be responsible for the Jack the Ripper killings based on his own diary entries. And they believe that he was actually the servant girl annihilator, too. And here's why. So the author says that Maybrick was actually in Austin at the time of the servant girl murders. Yeah. So he was in Austin visiting people during that same amount of time. That uh, what, what was it? 18, 1884, 1885, something like that. Yeah. So he's in Austin during that time visiting, I don't know, family, friends, whatever, but he was born in Liverpool. But Here's the fun part. He was later poisoned by his wife. (laughs) And so I kind of went, oh, okay, well, that's interesting. But no, it gets more interesting. His wife was actually from the United States. His wife was a lady named Florence Maybrick. She was from Mobile, Alabama. And apparently it was her family that moved to Austin, Texas. But then after she murders her husband... 
there was never another homicide committed by either the Servant Girl Annihilator or Jack the Ripper. Ooh. That sounds kind of interesting. And, you know, I guess if you're married to somebody and you find out, oh my God, he's the Servant Girl murderer and Jack the Ripper, well, I'm going to have to off him. Um, I didn't really dig into her too much. Um, the wife, Florence Maverick. I don't know. Maybe I'll look that up later just for funsies. So like the servant girl annihilator, Jack, the Ripper targeted young women who were working more or less as prostitutes. Um, both killers attacked their victims at night while they were alone and in their homes or on the streets. And in both cases, the victims were left mutilated in gruesome and very specific ways. And I'm not going to get into all that because I don't want to get into nightmares and stuff with some of you people, but there is, uh, there are a couple of telling differences between the Texas murders and the Ripper murders. Um, one of the big ones is that the, the Texas crime stopped abruptly and without explanation. So, uh, same thing with Jack the Ripper, right? So that's not a difference. Um, but they believe it's possible that the killer moved on to a new location, so that would make sense, moving from Austin, Texas to, you know, London, England. Um, or that maybe they were actually caught for other crimes and they just didn't know it. But really the biggest main difference is that the servant girl annihilators um, were killed using an axe or a blunt object, whereas Jack the Ripper used a knife and would slit their throats. So there's a lot of people out there that discuss that and say, you know what, we we kind of believe that maybe he just got a little more professional in his trade, I guess. It just sounds kind of gross to say it that way, but yeah, that he just kind of got a little more clean about it, I guess. I don't know. I, I assume maybe hiding a knife is a whole lot easier than hiding a, an axe. You know, you don't see a lot of people running around with axes. Anyway, you know, regardless of the differences, though, um, the similarities between the two really are pretty striking. And it leaves a lot of people wondering. I mean, there's a lot of people out on the internet that still talk about this. The connection between Austin, Texas and the Servant Girl Murders and Jack the Ripper. So they really do believe, most historians and experts believe that they were one and the same. And that's that's kind of scary. So... Um, there are other theories out there. Um, those were just the two big ones, of course, specific to Texas. Um, some of the theories on the identity of Jack the Ripper, uh, famed novelist, Lewis Carroll, I don't know, uh, to members of the Royal family. Don't really know where that one came from. There's not a whole lot about that. Um, but really the one about the Texas servant girl annihilator and Jack the Ripper is really one of the most compelling. That's what a lot of people really hang their hats on. <clears throat> so I'm hoping, you know, this would be interesting. They've got advancements in DNA testing, of course, forensic science. Um, you know, there's still a chance that the true identity of the killer could someday be uncovered. So until then, I guess just the mystery of Jack the Ripper and the servant girl annihilator will, you know, kind of continue to captivate, uh, you know, whether they call them true crime enthusiasts or whatever, you know, and historians. Um, I guess it's going to continue to captivate them. We may never know. I don't know. 
So there you go. Uh, sorry, this one's a, a little short just because, uh, I mean, man, drawing this out even more would just kind of be weird. I, I didn't really want to get into the killings and all that kind of stuff in detail, but man, I mean, that's, that is the stuff of nightmares, people. Wow. I mean, no wonder Jack the Ripper ended up being such a big deal. I mean, oh, just reading about it just kind of makes the hair on the back of your neck stand up a little bit. It's just weird. So anyway, I mean, uh, I guess now that you've heard some of the theories, what do y'all think? Was Jack the Ripper and the Servant Girl murders done by the, the same person? Or is everything just really a mere coincidence? I mean, I found that there's just not a ton of coincidence in the world. And you know, you think about it, I mean, there's some pretty compelling arguments there. I mean, either one of those with, uh, with Maurice, the Malaysian cook, leaving at the same time the murder stopping or uh or or the other guy um maybrick coming and visiting i mean both of them sound sound pretty plausible i don't know tell me what you guys think i know i see a lot of y'all around town every now and then you know give me a shout out tell me what you think um i would like to throw out one thing though there is one place that you're not going to get murdered at least on mortgage rates anyway. <laughs> and that's with me and American Mortgage. So uh, there you go. Don't get murdered on your rate. Come and talk to me. You know, keep in mind, if you know someone moving to or in Texas, send them my way. Send them over to themichaelmitchell.com. I promise I'm not going to rip them off or annihilate their interest rate. <laughs> Sorry, guys. That's That's the cheesiest crap I could come up with today. Yeah, so if you know someone moving to or in Texas, man, send them my way. Send them over to themichaelmitchell.com because I am the Michael Mitchell. And remember, I sell dreams, not mortgages. I really do enjoy helping people get into their dream homes. Thank you all for tuning into my podcast. I, I just love hearing from people. I've got people that come up and say, oh my God, you're the podcast guy. And I'm like, uh, yeah. <clears throat> so, you know, thank you all for listening. Give me some feedback. Tell me if there's some other things that... Uh, that you want to listen to. I think uh, next week, I'm still going to be at scout camp, but I think I'm going to go ahead and do one on, I think I'm going to do it on uh, Texas disasters, like the top 10 Texas disasters. That sounds interesting. And a few of them I know about. So uh, y'all tune in again for episode number 20. As always, remember the stars at night are big and bright, deep in the heart of Texas. Y'all have a great week.